Welcome everyone into another edition of the Ferrario Faceoff here at Claves Online. I'm Alex Ferrario, pre and post game host on the radio side for the St. Louis Blues. And as always, my good friend Mike Claiborne here to talk a little Blues hockey and a little NHL playoffs. And rightfully so after game one, Claves, where things may not have gone as well as you would have liked to see in the first one. But I'm an optimist. I like to look at the glass half full. If you go back and look, the Blues have had series where they've been down one nothing before and they found a way to come back. And luckily, that one wasn't as embarrassing as you would think it would have been. No, I agree with you. I think that when you look at Colorado, maybe the most talented team in this tournament, um, it could have been worse. And you, you credit your goaltender for that. But I also think it sends a message to other players. Hey, you know, we, you, you knew you had to be better. Mm-hmm. And and Colorado is a team that certainly demands that respect, and you've got to figure out a way to get it done. And I guess what I look at more than anything else, you've been able to beat Colorado before. So I don't know how much you build on that, but I think you have to go back to the basics of winning a shift, winning a period, and winning a game. And uh, all the other shenanigans that go into play, you know, it's the playoffs, and I know you're trying to send messages for what that's worth. I don't think it has the impact that it used to. But I, I look at this team and just say, all right, the good players have to be better, plain and simple. You know, we, we spend too much time talking about third and fourth line players yeah. and who's in the lineup, and they're going to give us a jump. I'm worried more about the six players the up front who have been responsible. Well, I'm only worried about five of the six. I, I never worry about uh, Ryan O'Reilly. I, I think he's your best player virtually every night. But the I rest agree. of them, the rest of them got to step it up. Well, and even when David Perron's in the lineup, he's the other one that I don't worry about. But look, they didn't have David Perron. And that's where you expect your top players to play like your top players. And they talked about it the entire um, first couple of ga- days going into that first game, Klaibs, of no David Perron, if he is on the COVID list, what are they going to do? Braden Shen, Jaden Schwartz, Tyler Bozak, Craig Bruby, they've all said it. You lose a guy, you have to step up and replace that guy by playing to that ability. But the problem was that Schwartz was non-existent in that game. I liked Braden Shen's game. The problem is he's a, he's supposed to be a goal scorer for you, and you're not getting goals from him. But I love the physicality he brings. But Tarasenko disappeared after his first two scoring chances in that first period. You didn't really see much from Tyler Bozak. Kairou and Thomas. Kairou scores the goal, but Thomas only has one shot on goal. You got a lot of guys that Doug Armstrong went into the season saying, these are going to be our core pieces moving forward. That championship window is open. But the problem is these guys aren't contributing in the big moments right now. Yeah, I I agree. Um, So here's my question to you. And and here I go again. I'm going back to third and fourth line. (laughs) Is there a chance that you see a Clem Costin? I think you have to. I mean, I understand Craig Berube wants the cup experience on the roster, but this is a different team right now. And watching the way that Colorado played, Klaibs, they were fast and they weren't afraid to back down. Two years ago, if I were to tell you that Braden Shen goes out there, lays a couple of big hits in the first period, and he gets into a fight, you tell me that Colorado's probably going to back down from there. They'll pack it in. They'd they yeah. be done for the night. You're right. But they didn't do that. I mean, Gabriel Landeskog went right after Braden Shen in a clean hit. Nathan McKinnon was finishing off checks. Miko Rantanen was sticking with. I mean, they didn't back down from the Blues. So if I'm Craig Berube, and look, I've never won a Stanley Cup. I've never even been to a Stanley Cup. So it, it Clem Costin makes some sense for me because Kyle Clifford is kind of a one-dimensional player, in my opinion, on that fourth line. 
where I think Clem Costin can provide what Clem Costin or what Kyle Clifford does, but Costin has that presence in front of the net. That was the one thing for me, Clems, that I didn't see a lot of from the Blues. There wasn't anybody that was willing to go to the front of the net and take Philip Grubauer's eyes away, and I think Clem Costin will do that. Yeah, and you know what's what's unfortunate that Clifford would be the you know the expendable player. Right. Um, and, and because I think Costin, I think Clifford, there is a place for Clifford because Clifford's won before. He he brings that experience you were just talking about. Yeah. I, I think there's some other guys I'd send a message to uh, because I see the same old story from certain players that, you know, they, they're not good in their own end. They give up the puck too much. Uh, and this is a team that you got to be able to be in position to make them stop and start. You can't let them freewheel out of their own end because once they hit your blue line with a full head of steam, it's over. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to get a good shot or, or draw a penalty. And that's something that I think you have to have guys that just get in the way. You don't have to hit a guy every play, but you just have to deny him the space on the ice that he's looking to get a pass from or looking to skate to and just get in his way. And, and I think a guy like uh, Clifford still can do that. Uh, you know, he understands the the dirty part of the game. Now, he's not Phil Esposito in front of the net, but my point being, he can do little things, and I would think Costin would too. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Barbashev and Costin on the same line. I agree. You know, I, I mean, I, I they're, they're kind of the similar guy. They have energy. They don't have a problem playing the body, and they don't have a problem going to the net. And they have skill. Honestly, I'd love to see that as the Craig Bruby's fourth line. I, I think a couple of things need to happen going into t- uh, game two, Klebs. One, Braden Shen has to be a centerman. I know we've tried this him as a right winger. We've tried him as a left winger. But if you go back and look at the last 10 games of the regular season, I think he had maybe a goal and a couple of an assists. You go to the first 20 games of the season when he was centering Jaden Schwartz and Jordan Cairo, that line of Schwartz, Cairo, and Shen in 13 games had 29 points. Braden Shen is a better centerman than he is a winger for you. So I think he needs to be your second-line center. And I'm kind of done with this Robert Thomas experiment as a centerman because it hasn't been working. I think where he can be effective is on the wing for the Blues because he's got that playmaking ability. But as a centerman, you need somebody who's big going down the middle who can't get bumped off the puck. And Robert Thomas doesn't have that ability, I think, in this Colorado series. So I'd like to see a Tyler Bozak on that third line center. But to your point, I think if you could put yourself a fourth line out there of an Ivan Barbashev, a Clem Costin, and then maybe a Sammy Blade, maybe a Mackenzie McEachern. Just change some things up on that fourth line to where they have that effectiveness to go out there and score a goal if the possibility is in front of them. But if they're not going to do that, at least you know they're going to bang the body around and create some offensive zone time. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to I'm going to keep Clifford in the lineup. Yeah, that's that. So, and I, don't so think I, I would go. I would go with Barbashev, Costin, and Clifford. And oh, yeah. you, you try and deal with that. And, yep. and here's the, here's the reason why. Because if they get caught in a line change and they go up against another line, let's say McKinnon's line, you know, they can skate with those guys. Uh-huh. You know, and they can, you know, at least hold them off until they, you know, somebody else can get out there. But I, I, I think that they are the real conduit line that you could have where you can basically throw them out there and they're not going to hurt themselves. You know, Clifford, as, as I mentioned, has been at this. He knows how to play in his own end. And the other two guys are good skaters who know how to play the body. Uh, who don't really care about what what uh, Colorado does? So, uh, you know, I think if you want to send a message, you might have to. Maybe it's a Schwartz. Maybe it's a Sanford that doesn't play. Yeah, and I know that's going out on a deep end because I know people. Well, you know, Schwartz has been. I, I know all of that, 
but he's not doing anything. Right. He hasn't done anything. And I know his plus minus is 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 intriguing and what the Blues do when he's in the lineup, but he's not doing anything. And, and Sanford at this point is just a guy. I mean, yeah. I, I think Craig Berube has done everything for this kid other than adopt him to give him a chance, and it's just not work. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he picks his spots on when he wants to play tough. You know, and it was amazing how many guys, when the game had been decided, all of a sudden wanted to be tough. And I'm going to take Bortuzzo out of that that equation because he plays tough every night and he does what he needs to do. But when you have your goalie and Sanford and some other guys chirping and acting like they want to go, you had your chance. You didn't do anything about it. So, you know, save all the theatrics because I think you become more of a laughing stock around the league when you do this. And we saw with San Jose. So, this is a playoffs and everybody makes each other accountable. So in this case, I think you send the message, Hey, look, we appreciate what you've done, but you're not doing it. So we're going to give somebody else a look and and stay ready because you know how this game works. You might be back in the lineup. Yeah. I think it needs to be kind of a revolving door right now. And I think that's why you had kept a Dakota Joshua with the team. That's why you kept Mackenzie McKecker and Clem Costin. That's why these guys are on the taxi squad for you is so that they're skating with the team on a daily basis. They're getting those reps at practices. And when they get the call, they move into the lineup. That's where I would like to see Craig Berube move with it. But at the end of the day, Claves, it's it's the systematic approach that Craig Berube has in place that the Blues just didn't play against Nathan McKinnon. And part of me wonders if that system played hesitant after that first period, because if you go back and look at it, the first six minutes, the Blues dominated. Colorado yeah. did not get a shot on goal. The Blues had five of them. They were in the zone. I don't if there was a zone possession time, I don't know if Colorado would have been more than 30 seconds in the first six minutes. But then they take the penalty. Then Colorado goes to the power play. They score on the power play. And then it felt like the Blues said, okay, we got to play more defensive hockey. We got to stay back. And Craig Berube said it yesterday in his media press conference. He said the Blues basically just dumped the puck as soon as they got it on their stick, and then they got a line change. And it felt like there was no forecheck. It was perimeter hockey. And you cannot beat Philip Grubauer with perimeter hockey. You got to put bodies in front of him, take his eyes away, much like Gabriel Landeskog did against Bennington when he scored that second goal. That was a perfect goal. And, and yeah. it was amazing that had Schwartz come back and totally come back because the defensemen were on each side of the net. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when Landeskog just kind of skated through the slot, that's 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 your forward. He's got to yeah. be there. And he wasn't, and it cost him. Um, here's the other thing about the Blues. I know they're a little they're on their heels a little bit with regard to just dump and chase and they're not even chasing. Mm-hmm. They got to get that cycle going in the corner and force Colorado to become impatient and perhaps draw a penalty or wear them down. This this is their game and they've gotten away from it. They've got cycle and I know cycle can be frustrating as a player and also as a fan. But if that's what you do and that's what you do to force them to make a mistake then you got to do it because for you to start trying to play <clears throat> like you're the 85 Edmonton Oilers right now, is not going to get you anywhere. So they've got to go back to what they know they can do, what they trust. Uh, the, the challenge is, does everybody trust it? And if you don't, then you probably aren't going to play or you're going to get exposed. It seems like guys don't trust it. Like it, it seems like you got a couple of guys on a line that are willing to go in on it, but then you have one other player. Yeah that wants to stay at the neutral zone because they're worried Colorado's cherry picking. 
You know, on the broadcast, Claves, we do a segment in the second intermission called Know Your Blues, and I'll go back and I'll find different segments in the past of blues history, and I'll play audio of it. So on Monday night, I played the game five between the Blues and Sharks in 1819. And the reason I'm bringing this up is the Blues scored 35 seconds into that hockey game. And I would argue San Jose then had a little bit better defensive core than Colorado does now. Burns, Carlson, Braun, a lot of guys on there. Yeah. But that play in that game, the Blues scored 35 seconds in because the fourth line, they dumped the puck in. Brent Burns has it on his stick behind the net. Alexander Steen goes in on the four check. He lays a heavy body check on Brent Burns. He bobbles the puck. Steen goes up to the front of the net. Barbashev's going to the net. One-time goal, back of the net. That's what the Blues did, and it was effective. Right now, it feels like you have one guy that's going in on the four check, and then you have two guys that are standing on the boards that are waiting for the puck to come to them, whereas if you just go straight to the net, it seems like the puck's going to be there waiting for yeah. you. All right, we put this one to bed. We know what the Blues have to do tonight. I wanted to ask you quickly about the other playoff series, and we'll stay in the West. Um, well, you want to call it the West, didn't you? <laughs> um, the, the one series that I'm intrigued by is Vegas and Minnesota. Minnesota's yep. going to make it interesting for Vegas because they have nothing to lose. I, I think Vegas, from goal line out, is the best team, most complete team, because they can skate, they can score. They've got great goaltending. They're, they're not afraid to play the body. And I was having this conversation with Kevin Weeks recently. Championship teams can play it any way you want to play it. And Vegas is the only team that can do that. Ah, the Blues could probably do it, but they just don't have as many players as Vegas does who bought, who've bought into the system. Um, but that's going to be an interesting series because Minnesota is looking around like, wow, we're here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can beat Vegas, but they might be able to expose Vegas. I think so. Um, One, going into that matchup, I think Vegas really was hoping Colorado would have lost to the L.A. Kings because Vegas' better matchup in the first (laughs) round was against the Blues. Yeah. Um, But for me, I think Minnesota missed out on an opportunity not winning that game last night against Vegas, and here's why. Vegas has looked vulnerable, but Vegas is also without Max Pacioretty. And I think that dynamic really changes things. Now, look, when he comes back, he's day-to-day. I think he's going to be back for game three. Maybe he doesn't make that much of a difference because he's been out for some time. But Minnesota right now is – they're taking advantage of a team that's a little shorthanded, but they're also winning that game because of their goaltending. It's funny how Minnesota and the Blues are very similar. To win those series, it's going to come down to goaltending. Your goalies are going to have to rob you games. Jordan Bennington gave the Blues that chance. Cam Talbot did that in game one, nearly did that in game two. I just don't know if Minnesota has the depth to take on Vegas because their top two lines are heavy. I mean, we all know with the rookie Kaprizov, they have that Jordan Greenway who I love how he plays. The same with Marcus Foligno. But when you get to the third and fourth line. Big drop off. Big drop off. I mean, when you have Zach Parise on your fourth line who may or may not be in the lineup going against Carrier, Nosek, and Reeves, I'm going to give my money 10 times out of 10 to Reeves' line because they're the aggressors. They can start a four check and then get a line shift out there to take advantage of it. I'd rather have J.P. Parisi playing, his old man. right about now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, his old I man take a, him. a hard-nosed guy, man. Yep. He's a two-way player. And Zach has been. Yeah. But, you know, his career is winding down. 
I, I think that he's a guy that may have something left, but not enough to carry him through a whole series. Yeah. All right, why don't we do this? Uh, we got a big one tonight. Why don't we catch up tomorrow and we'll do this again and kind of look at what uh, game three is going to look like. What's the status on David Perron? So they're, all they're telling us right now is he is in COVID protocol, which to Gee. me, yeah, I know. <laughs> Breaking news. Found that one out on the NHL media side yeah. at 5 o'clock every day. But to me, Klaibs, that that means that they – it's so hard to say because I don't want to say that he doesn't have a positive test and he does have one, but the backup and evidence, Jake Wallman, when he came down with a positive test, they immediately came out and said, look, it was, we believe this is a false positive. He's got the vaccination. We're pretty confident that this is a false positive. The next day they said, nope, it's a true positive. He's on the COVID protocol list. They haven't done that with David Perron. So conspiracy theory Ferrario right here looks at this and thinks, well, maybe there's a little, maybe there's something we don't know with this situation right now where maybe Perron could be available for game number two because all they keep saying is he is in COVID protocol. So I, I think right now it's just a matter of fingers crossed and hope that David Perron can be available. But if it is a positive test and it is a true positive, you retroactive that to when he did come down with the positive, which was, I think it was that Friday after the Minnesota game. He should be available for this Friday, Friday game night. number three. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, I got news for you. If the Blues don't fare well tonight, they're going to need him and a few other changes in the lineup. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, it, it should be interesting tonight. Uh, and, and I think it'll be even more interesting to see how Colorado plays it. Do they come out and play the body and, and skate and try and put the Blues on their heels early? Or do they pick their spots and see if they can get the Blues to become a more desperate hockey team? Part of me wonders, Glaibs, if Colorado's game plan going into this one is, I mean, we all remember how that ended on game one, right? Clifford, Sanford, Blay, Bennington. Colorado knows that they're in the heads of St. Louis. Does Colorado open up that game and just play a little bit of a passive hockey where they say, okay, let's see if they come at us with some physicality, mm -hmm. take a couple of penalties, and then we'll put it to them with the power play. So if I'm the Blues, I think I want to come out fast. You got to come out heavy, but you also have to avoid getting into that nastiness style early on because the refs seem to blow whistles in the first period and then swallow them once you get to the third. Yeah, um, you, you, that's a good point you make. I, I think the only thing I feel the Blues have to come out and force the issue. You, you mentioned the dump and chase, and if they come out just trying to do that, they'll be on their heels for the rest of the night. So yeah. You know what? I don't care. Take a penalty if you need to. We hit somebody and let Colorado know you're going to be here for a while. It just comes down to finishing checks, Claves. Yeah, I, I no, mean, I look, that, that goal, I think it was the second goal of the hockey game, that one that was scored 30 seconds in, or maybe it was the third one. The goal happened because Marco Scandella didn't finish his check on Landeskog. Landeskog's on the board. If Scandella hits him hard enough, puck bounces off his stick. He doesn't pass it to Nathan McKinnon, who's coming down the slot. You got to finish your checks and make sure that you knock the guy off the puck rather than let them bounce off of it and come away with it. Good point. Klebs, this has been fun, man. Yeah, let's do this tomorrow. Let's do a little recap of uh, game number two and see how the Blues fared and set up game number three and four back in St. Louis. Looking forward to it. All right, he's Mike Claiborne. I'm Alex Ferrario. Thank you, as always, for joining us on the Ferrario Faceoff. Blues and Avalanche, game number two, a late one tonight. Claves and I will be back with you tomorrow here at Claves Online.